0: hello and welcome back to another week of the dp world tour picks and bets major edition tom jacobs good to see you excited for this week ahead here
1: i am i'm more excited about this than it was the weekend at the Saddle open uh that was that was disappointing for us um good win for simon forstrom though right like it really exciting for him i think you've mentioned him a couple of times on the show and um we, we talked about him kind of before the new year because he was one of those qualifiers um you know qualifying king if you like and uh yeah, definitely, definitely ready to move on to Oak Hill this week. Uh, proper golf tournament. Really good golf course, it seems. Uh, well, there has been some, you know, difference of opinion on it. So, I'm sure we'll find out on Thursday what everyone thinks.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. I, did, I didn't think I would walk into this week as uh, jacked up as I feel kind of, you know, even Sunday night. Like, I think, you know, really turning the page. And maybe because... I think I'm in on the course overall. I think that's going kind to of draw me. Of course, the live drama, you know, amplifies things. We had Brooks win before the, the, the Masters. You have DJ win this week. You get to see these guys at something different than Augusta. I think that's an angle to discuss. Um, but this week, more than anything, I think is going to be my favorite type of golf, which is just an absolute brute test. And I think that's what appeals me the most. I'm not somebody who's here... For the aesthetics, or the prettiest course, yeah. or like you know, and that's probably not Oak Hill. From what we you know see, I think LACC is going to be unbelievable too, and going to be different from what we see here this week. Extremely different, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. It may be soft. And and you just when par is a good score, Tom, you'll find me glued to the TV. And I think that's what we're going to see this week.
1: Yeah, so I think it's one of those ones where I don't think it's going to be quite that. What was it? We had like the plus one. Uh, was that a Shinnecock, right, for the yeah, so US Open? Point, yeah. um, and then Beth Page where we, we had a really tough. I don't think it's quite going to be that, but it's not going to be what we saw here in 2013, either, where kind of Webb and Duffner just you know tore it up on the second day and and got into a big score line 12, 10 under, whatever it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably five or six under a little bit like what we saw at Seven, Southern Hills last year is probably a good target. Um, I know some people think it might be nearer to two or three under. I just don't, just because of the way a lot of the players, like, I think if you're only getting two or three under, I think you're going to get beat by Sheffield or Rahm. Um So I think you've got to, you've got to do better than that. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a great tournament. I think that this Andrew Green is going to be—is he considered basically the new Open doctor? Or you know, he's the guy that's going to be changing all these courses in the future. He's already got his hands on Eastlake already as well. So, um yeah, I'm really excited to see. I don't remember too much of 2013 other than going back and watching it. Like, I don't—I don't remember sitting there, you know, really. I remember Jason Duffler just chucking chewing tobacco in his mouth for <laughs> like six holes, but like, I don't really remember. Um, the actual course and, and I'm a bit like you I'm not massively one of those people that like it's really drawn into aesthetics and, and the shapings and all that sort of thing I, I really just like the testing holes and what that means and this this week we've got two par fives that are not just going to get torn apart like you do in, in other uh, tournaments you've got a front nine where you basically will struggle to kind of make birdies and I think it'd just be a really unique test and one of the things that I kind of the way to put it into The simplest terms for me is when I looked at a player like Matthew Fitzpatrick, like 2013 Oak Hill was perfect for 2015, 2016 Matt Fitzpatrick. And the new Oak Hill is almost perfect for the new Matt Fitzpatrick. And that's not to say that I'm putting Matt Fitzpatrick, but like, I I just think that as a player and that development, you can sort of tell the difference in courses and what that's meant over the future is how I look at it.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. I think it's more for the modern game and what we saw prior, right? Um, So I think... There's just if you hit the ball far, I think it is still probably the biggest advantage um, that we're going to see when you kind of talk. Who are the um, who are the longest guys in the DP World Tour? Who maybe got the best short game? I think you're always going to have to have laser irons, yeah. um, but a combination for me of long game off the tee and ability to chip is, or at least recover, is going to be important. Um, so that's that's kind of my thought process um, as I approach. I guess at the end of the day, the DP World Tour guys are priced in the range in which they are because they aren't the Schefflers or the Rams right now. You know, the ones that have graduated like the Fitzpatricks or the Fleetwoods or the Hattons, which truthfully we probably think all set up pretty decent to me this week. I'm intrigued at all three of them. But we're really here to, I think, discuss how you're going to round out your DK lineups. Yeah. how um, you're going to find some low-owned upside guys if you want to look at a top 20. I mean, if I'm going to find somebody, which I'm pretty intrigued, I think at least one of these guys on the outright card because of all courses that you get to see or all events. I think this is the one that we often see, the long shot at least in the mix. Or, right, I mean, we could have back-to-back years of triple-digit winners yeah, in like, the PGA Championship.
1: It's all well and good looking at the fact that three of the last four PJ Championship winners have been winning their second PJ Championship, right? You've had uh, JT winning his second, Brooks going back to back, and Phil Mickelson in 2021. But Mickelson, as you said, was a long shot. Mito should have won it last year. Um, you know, things could have gone very differently, even at the halfway stage at Harding Park. Like it 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 truly is it's still it's not quite what people think it is, in the sense that like it's not long shot city anymore, like it was in that sort of area where like Rich Beam and Sean McKear and all those kind of people won. But um, I don't think it's far off. One of the things I wanted to pick your brains on as someone that's quite analytical like you are. We always mentioned like, this is going to play into the big hitters hands and, and this big hitter dominating all those sort of things. Are, are all the best players in the world just big hitters now? Like, is it like if they were just like, if Justin Rose and people like that can get back to the top of the game, Adam Scott, etc. they're not the biggest hitters anymore. So if, if, if they can just find the form I just, I just wonder sometimes whether like we put so much stock into like the actual statistic of driving distance and and, and things like that and thinking like it's a must have. And really, we're just looking at the players because that is the player's skill set. Like, I, I know that obviously being a bigger hitter is advantageous and that is why the people are at the top of the world rank is it's But I think it's a little bit kind of chicken in the egg, like which actually comes first. Are they just the better players the longer hitters? And that's why it looks more important or or is it more important? That's why the best players. It's, it's a tough one, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think what ends up happening is it's so easy to get into the wormhole or the group think, or the general consensus, right? A lot of us are saying, "This is wingfoot all over again. This is yeah. page black all over again." That is my thoughts. That's my true, like reasoning is distance will provide advantage. And more or less, I think it just is uh, like just fine details in the sense of if you're between Morikawa and Victor Hovland, yeah. you lean on Victor because of the extra distance. Is this If you're debating Dustin Johnson or Cameron Smith, you know, who are priced similar, like, well, maybe this doesn't play into Cam's hands as much. Right. Maybe that's a pretty drastic difference. But no, I, agree. I think that's the tie now the same time i can vividly remember because winged foot was one of my better weeks i've ever had in the dfs size of things that was prior to the knowledge of thick rough hard to hit fairways not knowledge but the group think um that played into the bomber's hands bryson wasn't an, a high-owned golfer that week he wasn't a popular bet like it was very different than what people really thought they thought the brendan todds of the world we're going to show up and dominate Wingfoot, or at least have a better chance when it really took them out of competition in some ways. Right. Um, now Bryson might be owned or at least interested by people, even when he's yeah. one of the wor- worst golfers out there. And I'm even intrigued, but because this is that type of advantage. So to your point, are we buoying too far or boomeranging too far to only think about those type of things when, I mean, heck! If Wilco Ninover was was did what he did today at U.S. Open <laughs> qualifying, was in in the PGA Championship, I would probably be interested. And in maybe yeah. that is too far into the course uh, fit mold.
1: That that's maybe what I'm getting at is that like maybe we're just emphasizing it too much because even even a wing foot right, which is probably about as drastic as it gets, and what people are alluding to, like Bryson won by six shots over Matthew Wolf, and that's why the distance kind of comes up with that. But then Harris English was third. Uh, Zach Johnson and Webb Simpson were eighth. Adam Long was thirteenth, and as we've said before, he's long by name but not by nature. Uh, Lucas Glover seventeenth. Like Alex Norrin not the biggest hitter in the world. Song gm in twenty second. Like, it, you always get these these tests where they're littered because I think sometimes everything we've heard so far is it's like, oh, it's a three hundred and twenty yard force carry, or you're gonna have to lay up with three wood. And I think sometimes those guys that are just forced to go with three wood and hit their approaches better um, almost have the decision made for them, which just Really streamlines the process. So this is not me advocate. Like when you look through my picks uh, at various places this week, like mainly I've gone with guys that are, that are top in the total driving charts and things like that. But I've tried to kind of balance it with those that are a little bit more accurate and, and great short games as well. So um, I, I just I was just interested to see like are you completely fully subscribed to the it's a Bryson of twenty twenty week or is it we can spread it a little bit?
0: I I maybe overthink things, but. If everybody is zigging one way, it's not a bad idea to zag the other. You know, and I think yeah. that could ultimately lead you to opportunities with some of these golfers who are very, very good to still figure it out, right? I think like, they can.
1: I think when we look down our like our DP World Tour regulars this week, if we're just going by the people that can hit it far, it's going to be a limited pool um, yeah. of, of people that can really contend. Whereas like if you're talking about the Yannick Pauls and the Olisons of the world and things like that, that, who are in form and playing very good golf. Like, are we going to rule those out? Like, like, Stewie asked on Twitter, like, is Yannick Paul a long hitter? And does he have a good chance? Like, I think he has a good chance, but he's not a long hitter. So it it depends how you're looking at it. Like, I think they can make weekends and things like that. So really interested to get into this discussion, I think.
0: Yeah. And I, I love the way uh, Ben Raza, Jazz Reyes, who's on with Mayo quite a bit, Talks about kind of stacking lineups in a certain skill set, yeah. right? Like to your point, there might not be a long list of, of driving heavy guys that you get the DP World Tour side, but you might you might go for a short game lineup that has Cam Smith and Reed in it, and then you get down who Reed has done well Wingfoot foot too, right? And then you get down to um, Pablo, you know, Larothable. yeah. Or, yeah and then, and then you play there, right? Like that that could be that swing of lineups where the guys coming off a win, right? You know, like it's I, I always the pronunciation that gets me the most is Pablo's because I think of Jose Maria Olaabo and Pablo <laughs> Thorroabel and it,
1: it yeah, really it plays your mind.
0: Mind. <laughs> yeah. but I think I got it there. but that that is like a way you could go about and and get some some different guys into your lineup. So, I think before we dig in, um, let's make sure we shout out our audio listeners. Um, this is coming to you on a Tuesday versus a Monday because of a major week. Pat will put it up for us today. Um, you can find us on daily fantasy sports picks and bets, the mix, um, available on all your podcast platforms. We love and appreciate the support. Um, it's been a fun year on the DP World Tour. Um, we're looking forward to continue that. And this is kind of an edge. This, I guess the next three majors of the year, we get a decent chance to have some of our, our guys represented there. People forget that Guido Migliazzi almost won the U.S. Open two years ago. So you know it definitely can happen. It's, you know, just a few strokes away from beating John Rahm, it's a world of difference, right? Right. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. um, but let's dive in. Let's dive in yeah. as we look at it. Um, I guess we we can still discuss Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood, and maybe that's not fair to call these guys DP World Tour players anymore because they're really not. Yeah, but. Of the top of those guys, um, is I, there anyone I, I, that you find the most?
1: I guess I'd chuck Larry into that as well as like a yeah yeah that same selection yep. right? Um, Hatton, okay. I I think that he's just playing the best of of any of those guys right now. Like I I think that when I was thinking of of who to pick this week and I looked at the English players and to be honest, this was the first time I've really felt like the English players had an edge and you normally think about the open championship for that but i think the way that hatton fitzpatrick rose fleetwood have all played this season and i think it's because of the the designated event schedule they've had to just continuously play in the us i think it's really beneficial for them um hatton pretends that he hates the world pretends that he hates golf he shot 64 last week and said that he was crap um but he's just playing so well. I think Hatton's actually playing like a top five player in the world, you know, if, if not top seven or eight, uh, driving it incredibly well. The concern may be that the two top tens, I think he's in this tournament, have both been, uh, you know, fairly easy courses like Bell Reeve and places like that. Um, ball to draw as well, I think. But it was the Shinnecock Hills effort that really caught my eye and, and how he's just played. Like he's very versatile now. Like we... We're used to sort of seeing him do really well in Birdie Fest on the DP World Tour and really well in the kind of fest like Bay Hill on the PGA Tour. And now I think he's kind of finding the balance between being able to play both of them. I think it's really important. Like if, there, if there's one round this week that's low scoring, like if Thursday just allows players to score and shoot five or six under, I think he can do that. If players need to shoot one or two over on Saturday or Sunday to stay in the mix, I think he can do that. And I think that's a really important thing. So for me, Hatton was clear. Um, yeah, unless we're including Justin Rose, I obviously, Love. But like, it's it, you know, Fitzpatrick and Fleet would both make decent claims, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think Lowry's to me, but far and away, the worst of the four of the selections. Um, I would tough just just not still siding with Fitzy, right? Kind yeah. Like a recent win, major win. Like, he's priced below hat, right? Like, and maybe... It's just not enough credit to the upside versus consistency. I don't know, but I think it plays very much into Fitz's new game. Like you said, he could chip it very well, too. Um, I, I really I, I, uh, I haven't did. landed. It's Tuesday. I haven't landed on all my outright selections. Yeah, it's
1: a really a hard fan.
0: week. Um, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued there. And he's been so much better. In, like I mean, the best Augusta performance he's had in a long time, right? Like his last five majors, worst finish is T21 for Fitz. Yeah. Probably the best of anybody. Maybe Xander. Z- I think is top fifteen in the last four. Right. Like Fitz is is showing up the big stage. Well,
1: what I think that, and when I consider this a hybrid of, of a PGA and US Open, and what's his last two major results? Like a fifth in this event last year before going to win the Brookline. Like, and that was an you,
0: awful final round. He should have won. Yeah, I mean, he could like, easily won. Yeah.
1: Like he he was he played the worst of anyone in the top ten. Right. So yeah. I think. And that is probably how he learned to do what he did at Brookline. Here, everyone talks about it. So I think, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at the kind of projections yet for DraftKings, but like I imagine he's slightly lower owned than than he has been in recent you know, weeks because I don't see that much chatter about him, and I don't see why not. I think it's he's that perfect blend of, of still having a, a really good short game and gaining those strokes off the tee that he never used to when he came into these major championships.
0: Yeah. Yep, I mean it would. It, this course probably was a, a heritage type the first time around. Right? Yeah, it's, it's definitely for the last time around. Yep, but okay. I don't want to spend too much time on the guys that we're not here to really discuss. Yeah, yeah I but s- sell us more. You're big on Justin Rose this week, correct?
1: Yeah. So no, I just, I just think for me, his his upside is not being looked at. Like I think people just think he's washed and. I don't think that can be further from the truth, right, Land? Like he's he's finished inside the top 29 in you know every PGA Championship since 2017. He's got four top tens in this major. Um, he finished 16th at the Masters after finish after winning Pebble and finishing sixth at the Players. He was um, ninth going into that final round at Augusta. He was second going into the weekend at the Heritage. Finished 25th. He's gained like in approaching eight straight events, he's gaining pretty much in every statistic other than off the tee. So I understand the concern there for people, and I think that's why people are looking elsewhere. But I just I just look at Justin Rose, and I think if it gets tough, yep, he's going to like that. If he gets to five or 600 a day, yep, he's going to love that. Um, if he gets stuck around the greens, yep, he's going to put up with that. So to me, Justin Rose ticks every box.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you get him at a major, what was the major in which he, like, he just kept like hitting it around. Like he he made every single putt, every chip. I think it was Pebble, wasn't it? Yeah. Where where he was able to. Uh so overall, I think for for Rose, when you get him in a spot like this, it is just something that he would he would just be more lean into a different style of lineup. Or I mean, and maybe that's too much to stack everything around that side of it, but I think you can put doesn't him in, fit the typical
1: you know, like you said earlier about putting some of those short guys in. Like I think you can put him in one of those not profiling as one of the short hitters, but being capable kind of a nice blend between the two. Like I think it, like he's really a beneficial person to have in those lineups. I just I just picture him finishing at worst like twenty-fifth. And that's a really important thing for DraftKings lineup. So yeah. um yeah, really, really like that. But I guess the the thing that people want to hear is is these kind of Lower price guys in, but I think all all of that was to say that it's a really competitive English and GB and I market this week.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, So we're looking right. So I think there's some sticker shock to me on some of the prices for at least the first two that we enter here. Thomas Dietrich 7400, Victor Perez 7300. I I feel bad for Dietrich, man. Sunday was tough, right? We've seen this story many of times. Not shocked to see Forstrom come through when, when Dietrich... I mean, he he was done by the turn. He was yeah. not in the mix at the turn. At a home open like that, for him to capture that win. Any any between those two? Because I'm much more intrigued at the next two, personally, than I am at these top two.
1: I didn't even look at these two this week. Like, this is probably yeah. the first time I've I've had a tournament of late where I've not looked at Vitor Perez. Um, but I just have no interest. Like, if he plays well, I think great. Like, he was 22nd at Harding Park, but that's not the type of PJ Championship we're accustomed to, and I don't think he suits the one we're going to get this week. Um, and Thomas Dietrich, I just cannot deal with. Like, he just, he's not for me. I mean, again, is the skill set there? Probably, but I don't view him as like I did Peters back in the day, as someone that could really flash a top 10. Um, I, I think we would better off going down to the next, next group.
0: Yeah. So if you want to talk about Bomber with a short game. Find it hard pressed. I guess at least from a distance side of things and a chipping side of things. And I mean, even the putter a lot this year. And I, I'm not I don't know if I'm scared off by the form, Tom, of, of Min Woo Lee. Yeah. Like he everybody, everybody was excited for Min Woo Lee at the Masters, right? It was yeah. all the rage for them. I mean what you looked into his lead-in form there, right? I mean, he had, he top five basically every event to close out and start the DP World Tour. Decent at the Honda, almost wins the Players Championship. Match play, not great, but you show up there, and that is that that performance at the Masters probably rubbed a ton of people the wrong way, right? Gets a shot at the Byron Nelson last week might have lost the most strokes gained approach in the field
1: yeah. it was really really bad same, same augusta as well right like he was a terrible right for us.
0: yes but man if if it's i mean he showed up at what i think it was saint andrews and yeah. and was up there i mean obviously at augusta the first time around he was back nine front on uh, sunday front page of the leaderboard I just don't and, know if I care about form with, with Min Wu. And it just, he could absolutely play into the tailor made type of golf needed for this course.
1: Yeah. And like you look at his kind of major performances and they're just very volatile. Like miscut cut of the Open, 14th of the Masters, <laughs> miscut cut the PGA, 27th of the US Open, 21st of the Open, missed cut of the Masters. They're just such big swings. Like it's basically, if he makes the cut, he's finishing in the top 30, which is a really nice thought process to have. The worry is he's gone, what, five events now without gaining strokes on approach. You have to go back to a miscut at the uh, at Bay Hill for the last time he gained strokes. And that includes when he finished sixth at the players as, as well. Um, but in in that same span, he's gained off the team four of those five. So it's it really depends if you think that because I think everyone's going to struggle on approach. Like it's such a tough golf course. Um, everyone's going to miss greens or small greens. Um so is that going to be mitigated slightly? He's still great around the greens. He's still hitting a powerful T. Skill set wise, he fits. And then this goes back to our earlier conversation of like, do you just lean on that and hope for the best? And that might be the case with someone like Min Lee. Um, statistically and consistency wise, I'd be afraid. Uh, Skill set wise and just the inner belief of what he is as a player, I think he's worth a shot 7 two.
0: Right. I mean, he is tenth in the world according to, to Data Golf on distance. He's 36th in the world when it comes to around the green. He is 32nd in the world when it comes to putting. I mean, if you could dream up a, a scenario of that, I mean, that is, that is what, it's not like Bryson was that good of an iron player, right? I mean, he was way better of an iron player than I guess Min Woo was at the time. But I mean, if I go back, let me see, what, 20... It would have been 21 when it happened, right? That US I mean, he 20, was. 2020, was,
1: was, that was.
0: His numbers were so good that week.
1: They yeah. were so good.
0: But his lead-in ap- approach, he lost in three straight events. Four out of five on approach, right? That PGA, Champ- where was the, la- the PGA Championship? Um, that was Harding Park, wasn't he? Harding Park, Harding was. Park? yeah, he played yeah. well for, for
1: 36 holes there, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he, had, he had no irons. Coming out of COVID, basically, like,
1: and and we just we just don't know. Like, I think I think actually, if he'd been been off for a couple of weeks and didn't play last week, and and we were looking at these stats, I think okay, maybe he's had a kind of refresh. It's just the fact it's been so recent, he's been so bad with the irons. But I I just, I just think it's the first time a major championship where I've not really looked at course form because I think it was irrelevant from ten years ago, and I've not really got too caught up in approach and things like that because I do just think it's going to change so wildly this week. So if if you're keen on the on the skill set and you believe in Muley, I think you play him. Um I think you play him in one of your more risky lineups. I don't think you want to put him in your your really high lineups, but I think this is going to apply to a lot of the guys we're talking about tonight because unfortunately we're dealing with a, a, a pretty slim pool of contenders, I think.
0: So the oh, there's two more that are seven K or above. Yeah. Nikolai Hoygaard any interest?
1: No. I just they the, the Hoygar twins have made five major starts between them. It's the first time they've played in one together, and they've made one cut each in majors. And that's not detrimental going ahead. I don't think they're going to struggle to make cuts in majors going forward. I just don't think they know yet how to play well in majors. Like people are talking about, like Max Homer doesn't know how to play well in majors yet, and he's played like oh, I don't know, like fifteen, sixteen I events. Mean, I have no idea how many it is, but like fourteen, I think it is. Uh, but like. That they just haven't played enough in major championships to know. And yes, he was playing some decent golf on the PGA Tour in in limited starts. Um, and and yes, he's kept that form up on the DP World Tour. But I'm out for now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. it's I just have a hard time not playing Minwoo over. You know what well, I mean? Like just. So we've in seen a it, we? fact.
1: We've seen him play well in majors, Minwoo, and like he's got that kind of bank of form, a bank of characters to leave. You know, Adam Scott, Jason Day all these people know
0: how to win. He's not a good chipper at the golf ball either. No. You
1: know,
0: like, he's he's just not. He's just not. And and I guess, you know, including there, I, I mean, I think the other one, like, the jump out to me of 7K and above, but maybe even all of the DP World Tour guys, to me, is min Woo Lee and Lucas Herbert. I'm in Lucas Herbert 7K flat. I'm very, very intrigued, even in the outright market by Lucas Herbert, personally. Just because, one, he he has done it in majors, too, to the degree of a 13th at Southern Hills to a 15th at St. Andrews. And I don't, I might be one of the only ones that kind of make the parallel because it's, it's, maybe it's tough. But I just think some of the guys that did well at a course like St. Andrews you, you kind of do the same exact thing maybe here that you would do there. You hit it a mile, and your, like, wedges or shorter chips are, are the most important. You're going to score a lot more. You have to, you know, play, I think, play some of the similar game but on a way different setup. Um, and so I kind of like a little St. Andrews Herbert like he did there. Um, Bryson obviously played really well there too. Um, that's to me, I mean, the last time we saw Herbert, right. He, he won in Japan. He had come on over after doing really, really well in the match play. Um, and we just know he's got the sky high upside and what does he do? Well, he hits the ball a long way. He chips above average and he puts it incredibly well. So, I mean, if it hit, what, what was intriguing, too, at St. Andrews is out of nowhere, he led that fielded approach out of literally nowhere. Yeah. Um, so he does have – I mean, I don't trust it. And strokes gained in Japan weren't all – we didn't have shot uh, link there. Like, we had the last couple of events. But he was accurate from what they said off the tee. So getting him accurate off the tee – because if, if his, his accuracy is terrible, right? He sprays the golf ball. But it's no different if you're a foot off the fairway here or 20 feet. Like, it, it doesn't matter. So I think uh, they could play into his favour.
1: And also, I think it's... They talk a lot about angles and stuff, so you can miss the fairway if you're just at the right angle. And I think he's pretty strategic. Like I think when you look at him, he's probably thinks his way around a golf course pretty well and knows his limitations in terms of and things like that. Just another guy like Mimouli, really, in in the sense that if you're not scared of the irons, then then play him, right? If you're looking for some higher upside players. I thought he was really, you know, you mentioned St Andrews. He was great. Like when you think back to, he was so solid, like everyone's every time people thought he was going to go away, he just kept sticking in parts and, and things like that. I just, he just wouldn't go away. And he showed that in the match play and things like that. So ultimately, I think he's a, he's a grinder and that's what you want in this event. I'm a little bit afraid of the irons in the same way that was with Minmoo Lee, but like not enough to kind of go, do you know what? Rule it out completely. But these, I much prefer Herbert and Mimouli over Hoygaard and Perez, put it that way. Like if that's, yes. if that's the pool we're looking at, then that that's what I would say.
0: Okay, I think we enter a, a polarizing range as you start to get into six Ks. Yeah. Um You lead it off with the one at 6,900, and we won't talk every single golfer, but no. I think these early ones we got to hit on. Do we have an update on Bob McIntyre? Last we knew of him, he withdrew after the first round of the Italian Open, so a, um. I think these early ones we got to hit on. Do we have an update on Bob McIntyre? Last we knew of him, he withdrew after the first round of the Italian Open. So a pretty big deal, being you know where he won last year, where the Ryder Cup is at. That back must have really flared up because he wasn't out of making the weekend.
1: No, no, he was actually playing decently well. I haven't seen any update on that, but I would be incredibly cautious uh, for that reason. Um, I think the fact that we haven't heard anything is potentially uh, detrimental. I think if he was fit and firing, I think we'd have seen a lot more social things from him and a lot of things on from the DP world saw themselves. And look, he's been really impressive in the open championship and the masters, but he hasn't done anything else anywhere else. Like I know he's got a couple of.
0: The one thing I would say is he hasn't missed a cut. Like he is,
1: he is one of the longest major made cut
0: streaks. Very impressive for somebody like him to get the opportunities that he does to fly over and, and make cuts right like that's not the no one else in the dp world tour is doing it to that degree i think it's very impressive and if we had a healthy mcintyre i would like it a lot personally like i think this is the golf he loves
1: but he was he was gaining on approach uh, before he withdrew at the italian open which is you know trustworthy data he was just terrible on and around the greens it could have been completely protective that he pulled out and he might be absolutely fine um i don't know i just i don't i haven't i don't see him yet being that person that's that's comfortable with playing these true like i don't even really consider the masters like a real true american major like i think that's a very worldwide affair there um whereas these it feels like a real home event for the PJ championship and that would be my slight concern um, I, th- I think we would be we would be forcing him in based on the fact that we know his skill set's good, hoping that he's fit.
0: He has been seen both days on the practice round. For what it's worth. That's a bonus. Yeah, I mean, high risk. I mean, I've run how, so hard. What do you hot. see?
1: The upside is on him. He I he has a,
0: a good. I think he has a good all-around game. Right, like that. That is. Amy, I think he just gears up for the test, right? Like he's above average in distance. He probably is, can spike with the irons. He can chip it pretty decent. When he was playing well, he was gaining strokes in there. He can, can, can get hot with the putter. I mean, you don't, I mean, what, top 12 and three majors in the last three years for him like this, like, no, I, no one else has that on the DP World Tour. Does anyone else have that in this price range? I mean, I'm sure there's probably a guy or two, but I don't know. Overall, for me, when when you look at Bao, I just, when you look at a brute test like this, I mean, th- that's kind of where I just see the grit that he, I mean, I'm surprised Jason, has Jason talked Bob at all this week?
1: No, uh, nothing, which is which is quite oh, surprising, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think he's very much in on the Masters and, and the Open Bob, but like, yeah, um, I guess what the counter needs to be to whether we should be interested in Bob is are we interested in Yannick Paul or Jordan Smith?
0: I thought I was going to be more interested in Jordan Smith than I am. You know, what's concerning to me, and maybe I'm being too harsh on him, but I expect somebody of his pedigree on the tour right now to have more than a run of top 20 finishes or top 25 finishes, right? I do agree with you that it's off the T game is potentially the best on the the dp world tour right now but i i still think it's a long way to go i want to be in on yannick i really do i do um yanni p man like you know bk's bk's boy um are you there do you think he can do it because he's been hitting a lot of greens
1: i think it's just gonna be so hard like it's his first PJ championship start um and you know, look, this this is a guy that I've been betting every week at twenty to one on the DP World Tour. Like, should I just be taking him at four hundred to one in a in a major? I always say, like, I want to take these guys in bigger events because they're a bigger price. I ju- I think there's just this lack of belief at the moment, which is sad for us. But like, the lack of belief at the moment that these kind of best of the rest guys on DP World Tour are quite good enough to hang. If I was to say, what is the upside for Yannick Paul? I think if you can go thirty second, thirty fifth, fortieth, like I think that's a A positive weekend for him Um, and and I think that's definitely in his kind of range of outcomes I just don't see that kind of top like if if you've got a fit healthy Robert McIntyre I think he can finish in the top 20 top 15 I think if Jordan Smith finds a putting stroke he can finish 25th 28th I don't know that Yannick Paul can do that because he just doesn't have that necessary length really off the tee Uh, he, he he's like a He's like the Webb Simpson Zach Johnson of these majors in the past and Kevin Kisner's without being as good as him.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the one, I guess, positive is it is maybe a little bit more natural on this side of, of the world for him than maybe some of the other guys, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Versus just him growing up or playing in Arizona for a while, his brother. But he also hasn't been inside the top 15 and strokes gained off the tee on the DP World Tour in the last six events, right? Like, it is it's a different type of, of setup for him overall. So I don't, I don't disagree. And I don't know, maybe I'm being hard on it too, but there's a little bit of sticker shock for me at $6,800 for him. Like I would have expected it to be potentially a few hundred less like is. I mean, I I would much rather land on Moran. Right? Uh, like is $6,
1: it's, $6, it's just not a debate at the moment. Like, it, like he's just such a better course fit, Moronk. He's got that win uh, in a really important event. Like, I want to see these guys step up and win when they really need to, and that's Adrian Maronk, and that's what he's done. Like we mentioned, um, you know, you've on him. Like we mentioned, the kind of opens that he's won, and he's just he just fits. Like I know I've sort of said and maybe contradicted myself a little bit here that like. I don't want to put all my eggs in the off-the-tea basket, but if we're going to play these DP World Tour players, I think we need to look for those that can do that. And I think that's Jordan Smith and Moronk uh, over Yannick Paul at the moment. So of the three or four, if we include McIntyre, Moronk is clear at 6,700.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes. I think it just – it has to be, right? It just has to be Moronk just in a – what, three three wins, right? I mean, what was it, you know, 17th uh, match play was decent there. He didn't advance, but he was probably one of the better golfers overall. Was kind of unlucky not to advance. 14th the Honda is it, just really – and you look at the game too, right? Above average distance, above average around the green, above above average putting. Like, that's what we've looked at for the three guys. So, yes, yes, Moroc. Now, my question is – I feel like we would have been very in on Ryan Fox not yeah. that long ago. has that gone by the wayside but a twenty six at augusta is very sneaky hasn't played since though
1: so he's had uh did you did you see why he's been off no so he he had he his wife was pregnant and
0: oh having yes.
1: had, so childbirth and he had pneumonia so um I guess it just depends how he comes back from that. Like, he's been off for so long that he may have had the baby, that's all done, and had pneumonia, and that's all done. And if that's the case, then Ryan Fox is... Like, is he still... Because last year he was bordering, like I was saying, he was the most improved player and most underrated player um, based on what he was doing on the DP World Tour and potentially ready for the PGA Tour. Is that still the same this season, I guess, is the is the real question. Like, he's not dominating events like he was. A little bit to your point with Jordan Smith, like, I probably want to see him better than 20th, 11th, 17th, 14th, you know, but the 14th, 27th and in the match play, you know, really impressive. So the PGA Tour starts are way more impressive than what he's been doing on the DP World Tour, you know, relative to, you know, strokes gained, I guess. So, off the tee, he's still gaining massive strokes, did so at the match play, did so at the Valero, even missing the cut, did so at the players. So, yeah, I, I think if, if we know that he's OK, then I think Ryan Fox is definitely a fit for this kind of event. And, you know, like you say, 26 for the Masters, 16 for the Open, 27 for the PJ in uh, 2018, which I believe was a pretty tough one. Like, why not?
0: I think um, what I'm intrigued out of the way I would view it with him is he might have the most approach upside of any of those guys that we have seen. Maybe Smith can rival that too, but I mean, he's, he might have the best, I believe at the match play Fox was a clear number one in ball striking that week. So I think that's kind of intriguing from that sense. Um, why I was a sticker shocked, I think with Yannick, was the fact that I think Bjorn Olsen has had as good of a year as anybody the VP yeah. World Tour? He's sixty five hundred dollars this week. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sold that
1: I'm in on
0: on Bjorn. But there's got to be ways to look at him this week. Do you have any any thoughts there?
1: So, so basically, on my uh, Saturday so column with Ben Coley for the Sports in Life, we were kind of giving special markets, and I bet on Bjorn Olsen to win. Top Danish, which is only a three player, you know, Heat, right? He's only got to beat the Hoygaard Twins. So that might not be saying too much. But my theory behind that was he could probably win with a top 30 finish um, this week. And I think he can achieve that. Like he's had two top 30 finishes in this tournament in the past. Between 2012 and 2014, he was 27th, 40th, 30th. Even going back to 2017, 2018, he was 44th and 56th. Is he. As good as he was in 2012 right now? Possibly not, but he has, like you said, he's been so consistent. And I, I think this is a Ryder Cup player, I really do, for Europe this season. Um, we know that he's obviously gone close again last week. He is playing better than Yannick Paul. He's got the win that Yannick Paul hasn't. He beat Yannick Paul by four strokes in Thailand's a win. So, yeah, like if you've got him, Fox, and Moronk, 6,500, 6,500, 6,700 respectively, how do you go... I, I don't even know how you... I don't know how you pick Perez over the and Like, I don't even know how they're that far apart. Like, Perez shouldn't be 7-3. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that seems to more the misprice than than we look at it here, yeah. um, compared to Olsen. Well, he, he's I priced think...
1: with, like, Zach Johnson, which, to the greatest respect of Zach Johnson and Kevin Kisner, they're guys that are shorter and they're both 6,500 and they're probably past their best. I think they're both going to admit that. And I know Sir Johnson turned up at like Wingfoot and we've, we've mentioned that, but he's only $100 more than Luke Donald. How is Luke Donald yeah. even playing?
0: Rider right. cup. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Probably found a way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it, it, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, yeah, I think he's probably the best priced uh, European in this range.
0: Uh, we skipped over Callum Shinquin. Absolutely no interest. Um, Rasmus has not been good since returning. Um, I think it, both of them in form. I would take Rasmus over Nikolai, I believe, um, which, again, at this this interest, I'm, I'm okay with neither of them. Um, peak, Audrey Arnas could have intrigued me here, but... I mean, everything set up for the last course in Italy and just putrid, putrid effort from him there. Um, I don't know. Is there anybody? Is there really? I mean, you keep going around. You have Otegi. You have Tristan Lawrence. You have Pablo. I think Pablo would be the one, if you're going to go a different angle, that I would consider any. But that that's probably... I mean, he has not made a cut since 2012 in a major
1: championship. So, so that's the thing with with Pablo Rafa. Is like we always see him on the DP on the DP World Tour as this guy that can win at any point, and he's got the necessary talent. We always talk about the fact that he's beaten Montgomery, Garcia, Rory, Stenson, or whatever. It's never ever translated to decent finishes. Uh, in the major championships. And in fact, the only one he's ever really made any sort of impact on is the Open, where he finished 30th in 2011. Now, he did finish 45th in in this event uh, in that same year, but miscut, 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 miscut since in the event. Um, I I think he's going to miss the cut. I don't think that's a bold claim. The the only one I was looking at really, what about Hoshino?
0: That's an interesting one. I hadn't hadn't
1: thought about it. The, the, only, the only reason um, I'm thinking about it, like he had that um twenty-sixth place finished in the US Open. I'm pretty sure you referenced like he was really good with his Irons that very week. Good. Like he he was one of the better players in the field. Even at the PJ Championship in 2021, he missed the cup, but he was really good again with his approach uh play and was just terrible um putting as as to why he missed the cut that week. And that seems to be the kind of flavour of him at the moment. Like he, he gains his approaches in 2021 PGA, 2021 US Open, 2022 Open Championship. Um, if he keeps doing that, he's, he's been second in Japan twice recently. He was poor at the Sadao Open. I think there was probably a bit more interest in him doing well there. But um, just sometimes we see these kind of Japanese guys turn up and do something in a major championship and and I think Hoshino could be you know, the only the main reason I looked at him is because I was looking at whether to take on Hideki in the, the top Japanese market because he could potentially yep. be injured. Um, And I just noticed Hoshino and dived in a little bit. So um, I think if you were looking for some desperation plays at 6-4, I probably wouldn't recommend it. But he might be the one.
0: I think where I would go if I'm going to wrap up. So I guess the only other ones we haven't discussed, Higa is also down there. Yeah, um, not much there. Aki Stridum is making his first ever uh, major, uh, which is really cool for him at the age of 38. Uh, but can't can't be going there with that inconsistency. Uh, Micheluzzi is the minimum.
1: Yeah, six k. The yeah, minimum yeah. this
0: week. Six k flat. Him and the you know tour pros are are the the ones that, at the minimum. He and was it's, way it's, better than I think given credit for last week in byron nelson i mean he was inside the top 10 i think he was t10 um after the first round he he found himself i think what he gets in trouble is he can score with the best of them when we bet him in korea he was first for birdies or better that week when we like looked at him at byron nelson he was really really high when it came to birdies his approach was awesome He couldn't really put all that well and just on the weekend kind of threw it away but I woke up Friday morning thinking, man, Michel could give himself a huge elevation in this at a deep number, top 20 even. He said just his game wasn't really it over the weekend. He posts a lot on social media. Um, but I think 6K, like if I'm dropping down from Moronk or Fox, I think I would go all the way to Michel Now, the top Aussie market is just way too difficult to really yeah. challenge him there. I don't think there's any way to really look at Michel in that kind of betting market, there. But man, if you really needed someone at the minimum, he's the one by well, he, far.
1: Because he—he's—he, you know, you've mentioned who he's with. He's with the Club Pros, and that's just not fair. Like, it, like this is a guy that shot a sixty-five to open to Barry Nelson last week, and and a Saturday sixty-seven. Like it's—he's he, good enough, like you say, to make birdies. I, I would not be, of course, you're gonna be surprised if he's on the first page of leader one on the Thursday. I guess that's probably not the right thing to say, but like it wouldn't be a complete shot that he's made enough birdies to do it. Like, it's just, like, to your point, I, th- I think he's capable of doing that. He probably hasn't got the finesse based on what we've seen so far to, to really navigate this kind of course. Um, and, look, what we're trying to do, we're trying to talk ourselves out for 6K guy here. Like, it's not difficult. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, we've already said, like, he's a really interesting development character for now, um, for us on the DP World Tour and probably even the PJ Tour in the future. So, um, yeah, yeah. If you if you really do need a six K guy, then he's the one because you're not yep. you don't want to be you don't want to be messing with anybody else. Yeah, for sure. I think that probably I does that even stretch to six three. Like I don't think anyone is six three, like I, I don't have any more confidence in La Bow than him, so you're you're kind of scratching around.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um I mean I can remember like winning lineups, winning lineups at Wingfoot or because of Zalatoris. He was the winner for those guys there will be someone in my opinion that that does it in the six Ks or even the low sevens that gets you there at a low ownership it was Zalatoris and it was Peters for me at that at that um winged
1: foot that year so so I I want to talk Thomas Peters a little bit um I know he's a he's a live guy now and he's not he's not the DP world guy that we want to talk about these days but there was a little bit of life from him last week and he tweeted about there being a little bit of life from him last week. Um, and that's, I mean, he's only had two tied seventeenth finishes or two 17th place finishes on live since he joined. and They're his best efforts, but he made that cut at Augusta, despite the fact that he putted absolutely terribly. And I could just, I could just see him kind of being around the, the top 20, top 30 after a couple of rounds and people sort of going, Oh, this is why he shouldn't have left for live. And, he had so much to offer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then probably just fading away into, into obscurity. But, like, skill set wise, is he the best of, if, if we call, if we just put him in for Euro guys just for the minute for the sake of the conversation?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He would, like, yes, 100%. Flushes it like an absolute flusher, right? Like, I, I would think, I mean, he he was leading Wingfoot at the turn at, the, at 36 holes. He was in the mix. I mean, white I mean, like I think yes, he would be the one. Um, not not the one, like I guess if you get a chance to talk one live guy, I will talk a live sleeper. I would say my actual favorite play in the six K's is is Birmingster, I think. Yeah. I think Dean that setup, and that's what the other guys have, right? But Dean comes in at least with a little bit more form than those guys. Just an exceptional driver of the golf ball and an unbelievable chipper. Like unbelievable, right? The, the other factors he can't he can't putt. Like he's not a good putter. When Min Woo can chip and putt and hit it longer, I would still pick Min Woo, still pick Herbert, I believe. But I mean Dean did it at St. Andrews too, you know, like when, when it required that skill set. So um, I'll be curious on the greens this week on, on how well these guys could put it or is this going to be so difficult that like you know, a really good chip and you can put yourself within six feet if you just make enough pars uh, i i think you do that
1: i know Burmese- i think ben put him up in the kind of like the top south african market and, yes and that that's a of,
0: great that's a great tip i yeah, love that tip.
1: like and I, I i do like the rationale behind it and i like everything you just said but he is like sixty nine hundred and priced as if like he could actually be a factor I think Brendan Steele's the
0: one. And we're getting full live here. We got to stop.
1: We got to stop. But like, I think he's the one. Like that—that that, okay. that would be the guy. Like that's end of discussion. Like, look at his PJ <laughs> Championship record. Look at his Actually, driving stats.
0: I go one more. One more live, and this is not good. This is really bad. Do you listen to the shotgun start at all?
1: Um, I don't, but I—I've I, I've really heard snippets. Yeah.
0: You really need to. There are some rumors floating out there. Some bad rumors, Tom. R- the rumors are that Guido could be gone. No. Yes, there's some heavy Guido <laughs> live rumors out there. His his girlfriend works for Live. She's working the events.
1: Oh no. What, we might like... have to give it up,
0: Tom. We might have to give it up if Guido goes. Either okay. that or full lift. <laughs>
1: He's going to be ineligible for the Ryder Cup that we we thought he was destined to make.
0: Maybe that's a swan song, you know.
1: I mean, like, I mean, you think about all these greats: Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, uh, Guido Migliotti. Damn.
0: those are the ones that kill me: the Peters, the the Deans. Like, those are the guys that that like, man i think i
1: think it's the fact that they just had things going for them like i, I completely this is another live discussion but like you you can just so easily make the case for like a pulse or a westwood etc there's just no decision to make right like it's so obvious why they're doing it and etc these guys have just had such a tough decision i think you've seen the guys with like justin rose ricky fowler jason day on the PJ tour have had to make those decisions and really doubled down on the PJ and done well um maybe these guys could have done it in europe but I hope for your sake sky that, that guido is a vicious rumor and one that maybe is targeted um you know like when you get like targeted ads on on like podcasts and things yeah. like that that could be like no
0: one else heard that but me like, yeah <laughs> on my feed. yeah
1: like i feel like that's definitely it was
0: probably it. the live guys trying to get me in that must have been it, that's it. they're I gonna be in the comments so. here too yeah if they listen to 50 minutes of us talking to the 10 dp world tour guys you could maybe mix in and, you know? and by,
1: by the way, that term is a stretch as well. That's why we're, we're having this discussion. Um, okay,
0: let's let's land the plane. Rank your top three of interest of this week.
1: Uh, Maronk, Ollison, still Yannick Paul, but very mildly.
0: Right. Herbert, Minwoo, and I will say if we can get health on Robert McIntyre, that would yeah. be that would be my 3. Now that's a little bit on the more expensive side. You're getting Morack um, in there who's 6500 I think is a, a good steal. I think that's a a good way to land it and hopefully one of these guys wins us. I mean there's you know in order to take down that big GPP, like you're going to need somebody low owned from this range to really pay
1: off for you this week. Do do you think there's going to be any of these guys that are going to be highly owned like for, you know relative to the, the price range?
0: Um I think no.
1: No, because, yeah, like, because there's just so many good PJ toural sentences, right? And that's what people are familiar with.
0: Like the highest projection outside of the top guys that we discussed, like with Tommy and Hatton and those guys, is Maroc projected four to seven percent owned. Like yes, yeah, so I, I think
1: Morocco Corollison can win you a, a win you a tournament. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I would I, I would agree in that sense. All right, man. Let's, uh, let's have a big week. And we and we get right back into the, the DP World Tour um, following this. And a good stretch run. Um, well, we'll go to KLM Open, I believe, right next week. Yeah. Leading us into the U.S. Open. Um, there was U.S. Open qualifying um, today. If you run down the list um, of who made it. Dion. Uh, Guermasche. Yeah, yeah Germache, uh Wilco. Ross Fisher. David Horsey. Jens Dantorp. I don't get paid out on the each way, but Alejandro Del Rey uh <laughs> so I decided the top five today and Matthew Pavan are all uh I'm, or did Pavan Pavan might have not got through the uh, playoff. I think Pavan might be out. Um, but he tied for for fourth there with those guys. So but we'll uh, have a good stretch run of some summer golf there uh overseas and, and we'll be here talking about it every single week. But let's have a fun, let's have a fun PGA championship. Hopefully but, one of the guys comes through.
1: Let's get some fun in before these vicious things take over for us, sky and and, and ruin our lives. I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good week. Everyone, enjoy making these lineups. Put some of these Euro guys in if you you like the cases we've made, and uh, good luck. Yep. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. See you.